As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to the latest edition to hear that podcast. Growlin, Paulina Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you. How are we doing, Jay? Doing well. A L- little disappointed. I-, I-, I got done at the stadium yesterday, and I thought, I'm going to walk over and see history. I'm going to see the Reds lose number 100. Oh. And, of course, they picked last night as a night to win. So, Going back? I don't think so. Quest for history? It's easy to walk over from Paul Brown Stadium. It's a different story tonight, driving 40 minutes from Hamilton to try to see it. Yes. Yeah. It's a little different. Uh, Yeah. Maybe Wednesday night, you know, with all that could be on the line potentially in number 162, uh, maybe that's the one where you you head on over there. Check it out. Wednesday's a four o'clock game. I'm sure we will be knee deep in Bengals stuff still. No, on, this on is Wednesday. more important. Sometimes you got to <laughs> prioritize, Jay. Uh, thanks everybody that's watching us here on YouTube. Shout out Kevin Weller with my favorite reference in a long time. Five after the hour, like watching Saved by the Bell on TBS back in the day. Absolutely, that struck a chord. That struck a chord. You could always count on. You could always count on whatever it was coming in at five minutes after. And I, I appreciate that Saved by the Bell. Uh, I feel like I'm on those pills that Jesse Spano was on lately. I'm telling you, I'm 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 spinning, trying to trying to get it going. We're busy week, prime time to prime time. Sunday night football, Bengals at Ravens, eight twenty kick. Uh, we will be in Baltimore, which means crab, yes. which is very exciting. Uh, one of my favorite, definitely my my number one AFC North roadie. Jay is mm. is Baltimore. The food's good. The getting around is easy. I like the flights in and out. There are usually lots of directs. Got those. So excited about a Baltimore trip, as always. Rather fly than drive when it, when it is an easy direct flight like that. That's that's the issue. I like Pittsburgh. I like Cleveland. But the idea of of driving home after a long, long yeah. day is is not ideal. Yep. Uh, all right. So we got that going this weekend. Let's jump into news real quick because we're going to get through news. We're going to talk mostly. Our main topic today is going to be the run game. So we're going to get to that here in a minute. Of course, Mo Egger is going to join us. Uh, we've got, we're going to talk about the AFC North there. We've got our Arby's and all our uh, good stuff, Bengals growler bets coming at the end. But let's start with news. Uh, not a lot, Jay, to be honest with you. No. Um, you know, we had the fallout from Thursday that uh, we kind of went through a little bit on the walkout. We had a, a pretty deep notebook that you can go check out with a bunch of different nuggets and odds and ends, newsy type stuff that was in there up on The Athletic now. Um, Drew Sample went on IR. 
which was something that we knew was going to happen. They we they told us he had surgery last week. You know, his year's essentially over. Um, so there's a spot open for someone to come up, though, and so we'll see. That will probably happen, I would guess, tomorrow before practice uh, because now the four weeks are cleared. You have this whole load of IR return guys that were sitting there before the season, pup guy that are eligible. So there's a couple different options there. Yeah, there are. There's it, it, the the interesting one. Joe Bocci with the knee that he he tore the ACL in December. He's looked really good on the rehab field um, with, with Jermaine Pratt back. I don't know how badly they need a linebacker. Brandon Wilson also on pup. It feels like the NFL has eliminated his position. I mean, yeah. he's he's basically a kick returner only, and the Bengals still do not have a single kick return this year. Every single one's been a touchback. Of course, they're not allowing teams to score that much, so there's not even that many kickoffs. Um, the guys on IR that are eligible, you have rookie second-round pick Cam Taylor-Britt with the core muscle. I don't think he would have to be pretty far ahead of schedule to come back yeah, now. I don't think so. Um, Isaiah Prince with the elbow. He could be your swing tackle. Then rookie Tyson Anderson has a hamstring and Khalid Kareem has a hamstring, the defensive end. So, um, it, it, either any of those guys, they can bring them back to practice and then they get a 21 day window before they count against the 53 and they can activate them within that 20 day window. But at the end of the 21 day window, they have to decide either to, to shelve them for the year or to activate them to the 53. Um, I, I think Prince. Might be the most likely guy. They they can use some O line help, and um, his injury was earlier in camp. He he should be close. He's looked pretty good on the rehab field. Yeah, really, just a matter of what exactly is happening inside of the you know the conversations with the doctors, the trainers, mm. and, and with Prince on whether he's the guy. He's the most likely guy. He's the most needed. I mean, that swing yeah. tackle position is still sitting there in the hands of Akeem Adeniji, and you know. Prince did it last year. Say what you will. I mean, he was the guy last year. I think they have a lot of faith in him. But I, I would expect there's a pretty good chance my, maybe multiple windows end up getting opened up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Prince would be the most likely to take that spot, assuming that he is where we think he is on the rehab process. Again, more on that tomorrow. Um, latest stats update, of course, you know, Bengals will tell you, number one stat they care about, points per drive. Uh on defense, now second in the league in points per drive, only San Francisco, who if you watch Monday Night Football, you fully understand why, uh, is ahead of them uh, pretty significantly. But the Bengals, you know, their defense, points per drive obviously does not take into account. Uh, have you played a starting quarterback yet for a full game? <laughs> uh, and now they officially haven't as Trubisky's been benched. So you have uh, yeah. four straight games without a full starting quarterback against. So Lamar Jackson um, going to try to survive this weekend's game, but it doesn't matter. The numbers are the numbers, and for the, for the moment, defense second in the league in points allowed per drive, offense 15th uh, at 1.90. They haven't had as easy of a run. I mean, people have seen now this Dallas defense. I think uh, there's a little more understanding of what happened in Dallas, mm-hmm. watching the way this Dallas defense has just destroyed everything in their path through four weeks, um, and, and how – Solidly, Cooper Rush has now played, uh, and I, we know the Steelers' defense can be, uh, but certainly there's a few, a little bit of that makes a little bit more sense when you consider how good that Dallas defense has looked. Yeah, that I mean, that loss never looked bad. It, it, I, I know a lot of people didn't want to go zero and two, but that it, it looks even better now because Dallas is playing so well. Cooper Rush four and zero to start his career, first Cowboy. To, quarterback to ever start for no um, it's pretty remarkable what he's doing down there it looks like Daxon be coming back soon uh, Bengals also no touchdowns allowed in the second half uh, they and the Chicago Bears are the only team that can tout that right now uh, not a bad not a bad stat to tout um, yes. all right we have so much to dive into in this run game I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt to ride the definitive dissection of past, present, and future of the Bengals' run game. And in the process of doing that, I've compiled all kinds of crap, Jay. So we're going to uh, dive fully into this run game as a preemptive strike uh, on the story that I'm going to have out later this week. Um, It's not good. I'm going to start with this, Jay. Paul's got stats on this one. And and I just wanna I wanna dive into a few of those. And I'm gonna use it as a quiz because I know you like trivia and quizzes, Jay. I do, I love it. 
Okay, so so the basis of of the question is how bad is it? Okay, that's the that's the question I'm going with. And so I I went for the 35 running backs with at least 35 carries so far this year, right? Breaking them down by a number of your most used, cared about running game metrics, judges of performance, okay? There's no way around it. If these are good or bad, you are good or bad. Uh, where does, do you know where Joe Mixon ranks amongst attempts amongst those 35 backs? First. Actually, second. Saquon Barkley just barely snuck by okay. him. So second. 82 carries, second in the NFL. So keep that in the back of your mind when you consider this. <laughs> Rushing success percentage out of 35, where do you believe Joe Mixon ranks? We talk, There's 32? 35, 35. 35, 35th. Correct. Yards <laughs> per rush, where do you think he ranks? 35th. Uh, yards after contact per rush, where do you think he ranks? 33rd? 35th. Wow. Uh, negative <laughs> or zero rush percentage. Where do you think he ranks? It has to be 35th. 32nd, actually. Ooh. There's been a few people that apparently have had a few uh, more negative or zero runs. Uh, rushing yards over expectation, which is a next-gen stats over how much you're getting, but judging by how close runners are to you, yada, yada, yada. Very new school stats. So new school stats now. Uh, rushing yards over expectation, where do you believe Joe Mixon ranks out of 35? That's tough. I, I bet that's a little bit higher because he's he has had a lot of guys in the backfield. I'll say 28th. That's incorrect. 34th. Uh, <laughs> PFF run grade. So what does PFF say? You know, the other judges, they're watching every play. What do they say out of 35? 35. 35. PFF elusive rating. So we get down to tackles broken that could, uh, you know, making guys miss, all of that stuff. That's, that actually includes catching balls out of the backfield, too. Every touch now, PFF elusive rating. Signature stat. All right. So if you're counting receptions, he has broken a few tackles there. I'll go 31st. 35th, actually, <laughs> and significantly further behind everybody else in the picture. Uh, rushing uh, EPA. So expected points added for every rush. 35th. 35th. That's correct. I could probably continue to go on, Jay, <laughs> if you would like me to, but that's the picture. Okay. When people ask, how bad is it? That's how bad it is. You know, rushing success percentage and yards per rush, I think, are a good way to chunk out the two major things you're looking for. You're looking for explosiveness, where over time you're hitting at a high number, and then the percentage of rushes that are success, you're looking for consistency. And when you put those two together, I mean, 2.7 per carry, the average amongst the 35 in that group is four and a half, 4.5. The high is 6.8 amongst those that are getting any kind of workload. The rushing success percentage of 26.8% for Mixon, the average of that group is 39.5%, and the high is 55.2. I would like to end this where I started, Jay. <laughs> he has the second most carries yes. of anyone in football. That is, uh, it's it is it is what this team and this offense is all about right now, and what they're missing right now is how do you fix that picture? Apparently, banging your head against the wall is how you fix it because you keep <laughs> trying to do the same thing. That is that's the key number because you hear it. It's not just Zach; it's every coach. If you're talking September or now first week of October, where they always say small sample size, small sample size. He's the second most carries in the league that, that this is it's a pattern it's a de, it's a developing or slash developed pattern and and I'm not saying that they can't get it right we've seen this team rip up their run game midseason and, and make changes but it it really is getting concerning when it's it's there's that many attempts and that many failures there they've they've got to figure something out and and i i still i mean i'm really interested to read your story because uh, you just get tired to hear them say oh you know we're, we're just a tick off here a tick off there it's 
I'm not sure how much of it's Joe and how much of it's the offensive line because he is seeing a lot of traffic in the backfield before he even gets to the line of scrimmage. But that's why you pay him that money to to make guys miss and to to blow open holes that aren't there. And it's just not happening. And you, you almost have to wonder if if he's hit that wall. I mean, this is year six. And running backs don't have long shelf lives. And it's not like he's been ridden overly hard for the duration of his career. But it's it's pretty stunning this this drop off from from where he's been career wise to where he is now. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There's a couple of things to talk about with that that I think are important here. One, a, a number that I left out, I skipped over and I shouldn't have. Uh, yards before contact per rush. You know, wh- so how how does that compare? Twenty seventh. So it's not great. But he's not thirty fifth. Yeah. You know, as far as he's he's got some room. Um, the other thing is, you know, he's, we talked to him yesterday for a long time. So Joe, who – this is who Joe Mixon has been. He does, he, when things are going well, he'll talk all the time. When things aren't going well, he'll talk not as often. Uh, but when he does, it's usually really good and for as long as you need it to be. And it was almost a half hour yesterday, <laughs> that, which is a long time, by the way, um, that he entertained waves of us. And I, I was there the entire time. And, you know, different versions of the same question came up a lot. And it's a lot. How do you feel physically? He says he feels fine. You know, he had a little ankle thing or whatever, but he says he feels good. Um, There's a lot of optimism. There's a lot of, look, it is. They are this close. But what he did point out was something that you said is their run game historically here with Joe Mixon, and really Joe Mixon as a whole, but certainly Joe Mixon since Zach Taylor got here, has been so streaky. It has been such an up-and-down operation where they have been awful for long stretches of time and then been great for long stretches of time. 2019, you mentioned that was the year we're on the flight over to London and back. They ripped up the run game and tried to figure it all out mid midseason and did. That year, back in 2019, the first seven games – uh, he was averaging 3.02 yards per carry. Um, games over four yards per carry were three of the seven, uh, but it wasn't even that good. I mean, it was ugly. The last nine that year um, averaged 4.55, and five of the nine were over 4.0. There were 100 games in there all over the place. They figured it out. They changed things. They found a way to figure it out. Very streaky, though. A streaky season. Almost broken it up in two. And then last year was the same way, Jay. The first 11 games, 4.45 per carry. Eight of the 11 were over four yards per carry. And then the final nine going in through the counting the playoffs, 3.6 per carry. And two of the nine were over four. I mean, where it's just, it seems like this is kind of the way it's been. So, well, why is that? And Joe didn't really have an answer as as to why that is, uh, but he did have some answers. Let's bring in a little a little snippet of of Joe Mixon from yesterday. 
Is there a, a specific thing that you look for, plays that you've seen that have say, oh yeah, that now I know we're close? Like, is that, have you, is that what is that? Um, pretty much, whether it could be a, a one-yard game, a four-yard game, five-yard, six-yard, there are certain things that we can do as a whole, collectively. Um, you know, whether it's a backside cutoff, um, whether it's a backside cutoff, front side, you know, moving and displacing or the guard climbing up to the backer and screwing them up or throwing them out and me hitting it underneath. Like, it's a lot of things collectively involved. But, I mean, I feel like we got the guys in here that's willing to make these corrections like this. So, I mean, like I said, I'm not worried and we're all on the same page and that's the best thing about it. That's got to be super helpful for you that you have been through a month that wasn't great before that turned around. Like you probably, I imagine you probably call back on that a lot. Listen, right now. I didn't been back. I, I was down two months. Yeah. <laughs> I had literally eighth game of the season. I had like 230 yards rushing. Like literally, like it was, it was, it was bad. What and, busted that up? Um, you know, just buying in, yeah. really buying into what we do, and you know, not letting the defense dictate what we want to do. And I felt like when we had that approach, you know, the run game took off. And like I said, I'm not really worried about all the stats. I mean, at the end of the day, the stats is the stats, and you obviously want to see, you know, growth. But at the same time, as long as we're doing what we have to do to win, that's all that matters. Just like I'm sure it was talked at the Bengals, we weren't going to do anything. Like, we're 0-2, but now that we're 2-2, like, now everybody back on the bandwagon. Like, it's just all about winning. That's all it's about. And as long as everybody is in tune and doing what we need to do and executing the win and being in the best position to be able to win, we're going to be okay. Like I said, the other step is going to come. He's always going to be optimistic about it, and I appreciate that about you know who he is, and the Bengals appreciate that about who Joe Mixon is. And, and the fact that this has been kind of part of who they are, I, I think gives you a little bit more faith that they can find ways to turn it around. And there's another, you know, there's another aspect of this too. Um, and that is, you know, the defenses they faced have been good against the run. I went and I, I sucked the Bengals out of the equation with their opponents and just looked at how they've done against everybody else they've gone against. You know, success percentage, the Steelers ranked eighth, the Cowboys ranked sixth, and the Jets ranked third. I mean, they've been stopping everybody. The Dolphins ranked 22nd, um, but they're fifth in yards per rush allowed. And they they really focused their game plan on stopping the Bengals' run to their to their demise eventually. Mm. I mean, it meant leaving T. Higgins one on one and allowing the Bengals to throw the way that they did pretty efficiently. Um, and so, Bengals will take that if they teams want to sort of jam the middle and the on the run game up, they'll take that. Um, that said it was a part of what made it a little bit harder to run on the dolphins in their mind. And so they, I think they feel, I think there's some validity too. There's a combination of the defenses they've played have been pretty stout against the run. And they do have all these new pieces together offensively trying to figure out how to work together. Mixon mentioned, you know, he called a meeting with offensive linemen to what am I seeing? What are you seeing? Let's talk about our chemistry and how to make this work better and trying to figure that out mainstream. The Bengals coaches talked a lot to Mixon about, look, don't worry so much about trying to make the perfect play, the perfect bounce. Go forward, live with the decision. And we saw that happen with Samaj P. Ryan when he came in at the end of the Jets game. And that was a message. And you saw that from Joe a little bit, I thought, against Miami, particularly early. So I think they're they're tr- it's something that they're trying to work through. And, and they hope that they can find ways to open up. Obviously, Joe has optimism about it. Yeah, and I think one of those things that Joe said at the end there is important about, you know, as long as we're winning, that's all that matters. Because if they're winning, as they have the last two weeks, you've got something working. And it's if, if everything is, if, if Burrow's getting hit and sacked and the run game's not there, then you wonder if they can pull out of it. But the the way that the passing game, the explosive plays have have come back the last two weeks without the run game setting them up, then it, it, it makes you feel better about that. Maybe it's the pass game that can set up the run and they, they can figure something out. And there is some validity to that. I was talking to Hayden Hurst. Everybody talks about four new offensive linemen. Well, your, your tight end is part of the running game too. He's new. And now a sample out and Mitch Wilcox is not new, but he's, he's playing more than he has. So it's, it's almost like each other than Jonah. It's a brand new group. Now, 
we're talking week five they're going into. I don't know how, how long you get that buffer. I, I think the shelf life is about expired now to, to lean on the 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 new elements causing uh, some of this issue. But I, I do think there's validity in that being a reason, part of the reason for this up till now. But I don't think they can fall back on that moving forward. No. The other another interesting side of this is across the league, running is up. There's like this um return of the run game, right? Mm-hmm. It's like we're it's the NFL is kind of had a little bit of we're seeing the pendulum swing. Everything is cyclical. Everything goes back and forth, right? And and now as teams drop back in all the two deeps and are playing so much more of that shell that is based on just keeping the explosive plays from happening, teams are doing what? They're running the ball and trying to run it out. I mean, you're seeing success. Yards per here's the yards per carry by year for through four games. Uh 2017, 4.09, 2018, 4.23, 2019, 4.33, 2020, 4.36, 2021, 4.23. This year, 4.44, and a higher success percentage than in any of those years as well because teams are kind of allowing it. They're daring teams to. And I don't know, people get so sick of hearing us say this here, but like that's so much of what is making it so hard on the Bengals with the, the idea of the, the cover two, Tampa two, the teams playing the deep shells, is they're not running them out of it. They're, they're not beating them when they're daring them to. Uh, and that that's a big part of it. By the way, quick side note before we go to ads and Mo is that uh, Bengals much, much better against cover two last week. Joe Burrow against mm-hmm. cover two against the Dolphins, seven of seven for 89 yards, uh, a really, really solid performance. There, You can see them starting to figure that out a little bit. And I'm me spilling coffee all over myself. Uh, oh, no. So, uh, But you can see them starting to figure that out a little bit and things coming together. Uh, how are you doing, Mo? I'm doing great. What's going on? No, uh, not too much. Excited to uh, have you on. How was your trip to New York? It was awesome. It was a blast. Yankee Stadium? Uh, Yankee Stadium, we went twice. We did not see uh, home run number 62. But I am going to the ballpark tonight, so I'm hopeful to see Reds win number 62. Oh, <laughs> equally exciting. Yeah, uh, the, the, similar the, crowd, the, similar the fervor, buzz, I imagine. The anticipation. I would imagine other sporting events tonight, there's going to be cut-ins from GABP as they're yeah. trying to close out the Cubs <laughs> in the uh, ninth inning. Yes, it was awesome to go to baseball games where – a, there were people there. B, folks are in love with the team. There's excitement. People are talking about the game. They're not angry with ownership. It was a, a market departure from uh, what I've grown accustomed to. here. There is no question. Uh, you had some tweets about it, which were amongst all your tweets from this past week. Jay, what did we count? He had so many tweets, he broke the tweet counter. Wow. It's, it's no longer working. I had to do it, I had oh. to do it manually. So 161, uh, many of which were uh, thank yous for people wishing you a happy birthday yesterday. So I, I want to wish you a happy birthday as well. Happy birthday, Thanks. Mo. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and and you're very nice to respond to everybody that wishes you a happy birthday. You didn't I go with the, you know, a lot of people go with the wait to the end and the, too mm. many to thank. Thank you. You're an individual thanker. And I think everyone should appreciate that about you. The Facebook strategy is going to be in in mass. Thank you. It's going to be the yeah. collective. Appreciate all the birthday texts. Thanks or uh, messages. Thanks so much. But yeah, I somebody wishes you a happy birthday to me. You owe them a personalized hey thanks. Yeah, I here's the problem. I just I'm never on Facebook, so yeah. that's my excuse for never even. I don't I don't even see those things. I'm sure they're nice. So anybody that uh, has my number. I always am appreciative to text and I try to text people when it's their birthday sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's probably the method to go with. Cause otherwise I don't, I don't, I'll go on there and then I'll be like, man, a lot of people have sent me messages over the last two and a half years on here. Well, there's, there's two <laughs> things that always stand out on my birthday. One is I always realize how awful I am at telling other people that I know happy birthday because I get texts from people. Happy birthday, Mo. Hope you're having a great day. It's like, I don't even know when your birthday is. Secondly, <laughs> The amount of people for whom the most recent message from them was October 3rd last year that I only hear from (laughs) on my birthday. Number three, and this happened to me twice yesterday, I would get texts from people and I would, I'd see it and go, oh, they must be wishing me a happy birthday. And then it's about something else completely unrelated. Hmm. And that conversation's a little awkward. It's a little weird. 
Like, why can't you just slip a HBD in there? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. They should be aware. Uh, I have a different question for you other than happy birthday. By the way, mm-hmm. we texted yesterday, and I didn't wish you a happy birthday. So that's <laughs> you're where one we're of the two people. Yeah, I'm one of the people. people. Yeah. yeah, here I am making up for it. Uh, <laughs> but we have we have talked since last year. Probably, you know, you probably yes. not as too, more than you'd like. I'm sure. Uh, let's. Let's start with this. Here's my question to you. It was a topic that I heard you guys talking about on one of your, uh, whether it was 360 or from 3 to 6 uh, on Tony Mo Football Show on ESPN 1530. Who do you trust in the North? And is it still a two-team race after a weekend that saw everything get right back to where we started? I'm curious your thoughts on this division and what we've learned through four weeks. I think what I trust, I, I don't. maybe I don't trust a certain team. I trust the Bengals defense. Um, and, and I, I, I know you take everything they've done with a grain of salt because they haven't played, you know, the high end quarterbacks that they're going to start playing beginning on Sunday. But I feel like I trust that unit. Like I, I just, I have a hard time believing we're going to see the Bengals lose a game by some lopsided score because Lou Anarumo's defense just didn't show up. I feel like I can trust that bunch week in and week out. Um, and Tony and I talked about this, yesterday and he's obviously way more qualified than me to discuss such a thing i never watch the bengals defense and feel like they're unprepared or feel like there's massive communication issues or that guys are out of assignment the guys don't know what the game plan is players get beat individually that happens you know nfl guys are going to win one-on-one matchups and sometimes the other team's offensive coordinator is going to call the right play against whatever defense you're running but I have developed, and you know, this started last year, an extraordinary amount of faith in what this team does defensively. It'll alter a little bit without DJ Reader, especially against, you know, non Miami Dolphins teams. But I feel like if I, if I were to look at who I can trust in the AFC North, I, I still believe it's a two team race. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I don't know why they're doing what they're doing with their quarterback situation. And you know, the Browns have treaded water, but they've still had two games that they should have won against inferior opponents that they gave up. And I just can't help but feel like that that's going to catch up to them even when they do get Deshaun Watson back. And that's still a ways away. Still have to play basically a half a season before that happens. The Ravens have looked the part more often than the Bengals have, but they've blown two, three score leads at home. I don't know how you could say that particular team is trustworthy. And despite all the Bengals' offensive issues, and again, say what you want about the level of competition, in this division, what has impressed me the most, and I think what should impress outsiders the most, maybe aside from the season that Lamar Jackson has had, I trust Luan Rumo's defense. Um, It's really well coached. It's really well put together. There are no major weaknesses. They're getting contributions from everybody. You know, we don't, we said yesterday, we don't talk about Von Bell enough. He had a two pick game. They don't have DJ Reader, and you see interior alignment on both special teams and on defense making big plays. Um, they might lack the, the star power of a guy like uh, TJ Watt, but I feel like I trust that unit. And again, I know the quarterbacks they've played. So, but I saw what they did in the postseason last year, man. I saw what they Correct. did to Patrick Mahomes. They've had more continuity. Everybody's back from last season. They have some young players who are stepping into you know roles that you can count on. They don't have room for Dax Hill. You know how many teams yeah. would be giving him major you know snaps right now? So I trust this defense, and uh, I'm going to keep saying that until they give me a reason not to, and I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I'm right with you. I, I trust this defense because they've proven it. I, I don't know. The offense isn't back up to to where it was last year, but I trust that they will be. There's there's enough talent there. The what's happened to the Ravens? I mean, I picked the Ravens to win the division. Um, I, I had them as a slight favorite above the Bengals, and I just the, those two big losses are are really concerning because it's mm-hmm. for something like that to happen, the the defense has to collapse and, and the offense has to go in a hole. And I can I can see a defense first year coordinator. Maybe they're not on the same page yet. But how does that offense? just completely forget how to score. That's that's what the concerning part is if you're a Ravens fan. I, I don't know that I I trust the Ravens now as much as I did when the season started simply because of the way they lost those games that you referenced, the two 17-point 
121 point, 117 point lead leads blown. It's just I, I trust that Pittsburgh's not going to be good all year. I just I don't think there's any coming back from that. Cleveland, I don't know what to think yet, but yeah, if if we're if we're talking trust level right now, and it, I, maybe it's because we cover the team and we're so close to it, but I I think the Bengals are far and away the the team that is the most trustworthy. All right, let's just take a quick break. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Here's an interesting thing about the Ravens, Jay, and I would disagree. I, I actually feel the opposite about the Ravens because of the way that they lost. I, I'm, I just don't think that's going to be who they are, right? They're the team that, man, all they do is blow 17-point leads. Like, I, I, just, <laughs> I just don't think that that – I think that's freakish. I think that's something that they can fix. Uh, and maybe they have trouble closing, okay? Maybe, maybe it's not 17 points every time or whatever, but I – Early in the season, I trend. I tend to try to look more at the trends of the big picture, and that's been a Baltimore team that you know should be four and zero. I mean, and that that Lamar looks real. If there were concerns, what is Lamar Jackson going to look like? I mean, is he going to be back to that MVP form? Because if he is, then Baltimore becomes really scary. And their passing attack has been really good when you consider some of the questions that were out there about their receivers. I trust Baltimore despite the blown leads. I think they have whatever those issues are. I don't I don't know if that's a coordinator thing, if that's a, a bunch of new pieces in the secondary thing. I mean, we heard Luana Rumo's rant about why he doesn't put Dax Hill in. Could be the same one about why the Ravens wish they had more continuity in their defensive backfield because there's MAs all over the place out there when they're trying to put games away. So but I think that's the type of thing that gets cleared up. It's about quarterback play, and Lamar looks great. And and so for that fact, I think I trust Lamar Jackson. I'm not saying more than the Bengals, but I do think it's a two team race, and I do think that teams are maybe being a little bit more you're being a little more down on the Ravens than you should be because of you know some real outlier events that have happened. I think there's a difference between who has the highest ceiling and who's the most trustworthy. Um, when the Ravens offensively, when Lamar has been at his best this year, and it's happened often, even obviously in games they've lost, uh, th- there's no offensive unit in the AFC North playing like that. Lamar has outplayed Joe Burrow this year. Nobody's going to want to hear that. I don't want to say it, but Lamar has played outplayed Joe Burrow this season. Um, but they took their foot off the gas in the fourth quarter against Miami. They were completely neutered in the second half in that game against Buffalo, and those might be outliers and that offense, Lamar looks like a man on a mission, and he's at the center of one of the biggest questions in the NFL, which is what are the Ravens going to pay him moving forward? But again, in terms of trustworthiness, to me, that's what can I bank on? On a given week, do I feel like Luana Rumo's defense is just going to get totally blown up? No. I mean, and again, this isn't just what they've done against Cooper Rush and Mitch Trubisky, et cetera. It's, it's what they did against Derrick Henry last year in the postseason. It's what they did against Patrick Mahomes in the second half of two games. Um, that carried with them enormous stakes. It's it's how they carried this team to within a player to have a championship. It's how it's put this team in position to win against the Steelers, despite the fact that Joe Burrow turned the ball over five times. Um, it's the fact that I've walked away from every single one of those games, and yeah, there have been individual plays defensively where you go, okay, well, I, I wish they would have covered this guy better, but I've walked away from all four games going, Lose unit did what it needed to do to allow the Bengals to win the football game. So, I mean, is is their ceiling? You know, I watched San Francisco last night and all season long. Their defense is absurd. Uh, are the Bengals that? Maybe not. Um, but to me, it's about trustworthiness. 
I think I know in a given week what I'm going to get from that unit. And so to me, that's the basis of my answer. I like it. Uh, Jay, do we have bets, updates? Where do we stand? How are we doing? We do. Um, Mo, I'm going to let Mo decide because he was there. He he had the $1 bet on fans in the seat for Ring of Honor. <laughs> to me, it looked like a lot of people stayed, more than I would have expected, but I don't know. I was pleasantly surprised. Okay. I was disappointed that I had to explain to somebody who Isaac Curtis is as <laughs> the ceremony was unfolding, but the ovation was warm. The ceremony, you know, they, they only have so much time to do it at halftime. I know there's a big event the night before. And so, you know, I, I did, I heard somebody at, well, where are the speeches? It's like, there's a football game. that's going to restart here. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we don't have a lot of time here. Um, but yeah, I thought th the fans exceeded my expectations and, and certainly there were a lot of folks who did go to the concourse and missed the ceremony, but I thought it was more than half full. I will admit. And I was pleasantly surprised. So that said, we, we each went one and one in our bets last week. Uh, we each made money. Um, I, well, we did not make money, Jay. We made units. Units. We made units that are completely for entertainment purposes only <laughs> and fictional. So I, I went with the uh, the big score with first drive of the game would be a touchdown, uh, regardless of the team. That was plus 320, and it happened. Uh, I lost on Jags plus six and a half. Looked good for a while there. Um, Mo went under 47 and a half for the Bengals game, and he won. Um, and then, Paul, you went over one and a half touchdown passes for Burrow for a win, but you're under Denver at Vegas of 46 and a half lost. So – uh, for the season, Paul is at plus 60, Mo is at plus 39.41, and I'm at plus 30.60. Good to know. And and But Mo is stashing a number of, of long-term yes. uh, <laughs> bets as well. Uh, what do we got for this week, Mo? So I, I, I just talked about Lou Anarumo and his defense. And look, at, at some point, there's going to be a trend reversal. Bengals games, the under is on a nine game streak. The under is nine and zero in the last nine Bengals games. Uh, that says a lot about a lot of different things. I think most notably the defense Baltimore over is seven and three, their last 10 following a loss. But, but I, I feel like, and, and maybe, you know, to a degree, this did happen in the postseason last year. There's going to be a game on a big stage in which the main talking point becomes that guy running the defense in Cincinnati. I think it's going to be this week. Look, Lamar Jackson, in the three games that he's played against Lou Anarumo's defense, he hasn't been awful, but he hasn't been great either. And I think this defense is better than any that he's played. Obviously, he did not play in that second game last year. Uh, but if you go back to the game two years ago when they just blitzed Joe Burrow and beat him badly, Lamar was all right. He wasn't terrific. Uh, th the game later that season, which uh, did not count, the Ravens put up a lot of points. Lamar was fine. Uh, last year in the game that the uh, Bengals won at Baltimore, Lamar played. He completed less than 50% of his passes. Uh, I don't recall being scared by uh, what he was going to do with his legs. I'm a huge Lamar Jackson fan, but but I'm a bigger fan of this Bengals defense. And so I'm going to go under the Ravens team total, and I'll sort of combine that with the under for the posted total, which is 48 and a half. I think this becomes the game in which People on Monday morning talk about, God, I wish Chris Collinsworth would have shut up about Lou Anarumo. I think this defense <laughs> is going to make a big statement on Sunday. I'm going to go I'm going to go 10 units there, and then the odds of this are short, but I'm going to do it anyway. Mike Tomlin's going to suffer his first losing season, and we're, we've all been reluctant to do that. They're 1-3. Their schedule's about to get very, very difficult. Uh, I, I, again, don't really understand why he did what he did with his quarterback situation to start the season. I don't understand why he did what he did with his quarterback situation on Sunday. Uh, the team just simply isn't very good. And their defense, as much as we saw it do some really impressive things against the Bengals, that defense has its issues. Mike Tomlin suffers his first losing season as a Pittsburgh Steelers head coach. They go at least eight and nine and probably worse. We need to get a line on that. I don't know what to... You know, it's interesting. Before I came on, I was looking for that, um, <clears throat> and I, I found preseason odds. So the, the odds, are, they're one in three, right? So it's not mm. like you're going to get plus odds on such a thing. But I think to this point, people have said, well, you know what? They'll figure it out. Trubisky will be serviceable. Their defense is pretty good. 
they're one and three and their schedule is about to get a lot more difficult yes. and they're either going to keep playing Trubisky or they're going to start a rookie quarterback in those games. And they still have a lot of games against good AFC North teams. Obviously they haven't played Baltimore yet. So, um, I think it finally happens this year. Mike Tomlin suffers a, a losing season. We'll track that down. Or if you're listening to this and you find it or know where it is, just uh, shoot us a message on Twitter and, and we'll we'll insert that. Uh, Jay, what do you got? I think this is the first time that we've gone head-to-head on opposite sides of a bed. I'm going Bengals-Ravens over 48 hmm. and a half. I, I think this is a game we've seen the Bengals get off to fast starts. I, I'm still not convinced that – that that Ravens defense is the Ravens defense we've we've come to know with the new coordinator Mike McDonald. I think the Bengals got off to a fast start. I do I do trust Lou Anarumo's defense, but when you're playing with a lead, I, I could see uh, Lamar and the Ravens making some hay late in that game um, to push that over. So I'm going to go that way uh, for ten, and then I'm going to go ten units on the Cardinals money line against the Eagles. I just I'm still not buying the Eagles as the elite last unbeaten team that games in Arizona. Uh, it's plus two ten the money line, so I, I'm going to run with Arizona. Wow, that's a surprising mm. one. I mean, I, I know everybody's there is a, a good feeling to go against a trend that everybody's feeling like the Eagles, and you get a little bit of value there. But uh, I also think Arizona stinks, so uh, <laughs> that's just me. Um, I am I am going uh, going to continue to be so jaggy and Jacksonville getting only getting six and a half at home against Houston. I think they're going to get back on track and put up a big number against the Texans, the Fighting Loveys. So give me Jacksonville to cover the six and a half. And um, the last time the Bengals were beaten by more than three. Uh, you got to go back to the Chargers game of last year in a game that they were trying to win. I'm not counting Week 18 last year. Um, they are currently three point dogs uh, at Baltimore, so I don't, you know, I'm not going to go uh, on to anything about win or loss at this point. But I'm going to go Bengals to cover the three uh, because that's what they do. Because it's all their games look like that, and so there's no reason <laughs> to think that all of a sudden it's going to look different. So split that ten and ten down the middle for me. All right, I got them logged. Uh, all right, we're all logged in, and we'll see how it goes from there. Mo, it's been a pleasure as always. I will see you this afternoon from 3 to 4 at the Moorline Logger House. Maybe this is the week I have the Mo Burger. You should have it. <laughs> yeah. It's got it was my cheese. birthday this week, so for my birthday. I owe it to you for not for not wishing you a happy birthday when I texted you about the show today. I owe you. Well, now it's, to eat I mean, it, it's going to be awkward. Let's not kid yeah. ourselves. It's just, should I not to talk get about it? Should, should I let it go or should I continue to bring it up? <laughs> I should keep bringing it up. Okay. Great. All right. I look forward to talking about it at 3.05. I look forward to it. Thank you, guys. All right, Thanks, Mo. Later. All right. Paul, uh, you should bring a candle and put it on your burger. Put a candle in the bun. That's true. I, you know what? I have, it was my daughter's birthday on Thursday, and I have a load of cakes <laughs> and birthday cookies. Yeah, you know what I'll do? Go. I have one that says, Happy Birthday, Rosie. I will scratch out Rosie or like cover it up <laughs> and write Mo on it and and hand it to him this afternoon. That's, that's what I will do. I like that. That's a good idea. Um, Let's uh, jump into a few of your questions. Uh, thank you to, again to everybody that has come on and rate, subscribe, uh, all those things here us on YouTube as we uh, have kind of gotten that channel up and going this year. Hope you guys have enjoyed getting to see our beautiful faces, Jay's beautiful hair, and my always shining skull uh, as we talk through the Bengals' problems uh, and successes. Um, I'm going to start here. And this is going to be something that I wanted to get to earlier in the running game conversation. It was from Tim W. It says, have you seen the Reddit thread on Joe Mixon tipping pass run plays based on his stance in the backfield? If so, have you asked anyone about this? Well, Tim, I'm glad you asked because I have. <laughs> uh, and we did talk about it. And and the takeaway uh, answer on that was, uh, yeah, they're aware. Um, and, and also – it's kind of been a thing. I mean, there's mixing in different ways has tipped what is going to happen next. Sometimes, whether it's rising up, whether it's how he stands, whether it's where his hand, whatever, um, where he looks, um, they have always kind of tried to talk through Joe, but it's something that they've talked about, um, uh, internally from this game and from other games, how much the dolphins were cluing into it. Uh, hard to say, because you know, it, 
It's not every game. The key to those types of it's fine to do those types of things or have those types of things is sometimes you got to do the opposite. Sometimes you got to stand up tall like you're looking over the line when it's a run, uh, you know, or scan like you're looking to find your blitz pickup and then run or the opposite, you know, um, things like that. Also, one 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 side note, and I should save this for Arby's, but I'm going to blow it now, Jay, was part of this conversation was uh, how about the Vaudible getting caught uh, on broadcast <laughs> and Joey Votto chiming in. They said they've had the Vaudible in for a while and it hadn't been caught on the broadcast yet. Um, but Vado as the one of their left audibles, obviously, uh, they try to come up with as many names as they can, uh, without dropping in. Okay. Lucy or Ringo, the obvious L's and R's. So Vado and easy left call. Uh, and they've had that. And then it got caught like all hell on the broadcast, uh, on Thursday night. And so the last time you will hear Vado as a left call, um, but pretty cool, uh, that that happened and they thought it was pretty funny too. They've got about a million those in the bank that they try to drop out at there to though as well to try to make sure that they are keeping it original in their left and rights yeah i feel like those mics are getting even better and some of those audibles are being uh caught more i, I don't know how many people watch the, the packers patriots game but a, a very loud and audible f-bomb from aaron Rodgers uh <laughs> telling his center to please snap the effing ball uh, yes. when they're trying to catch a team with 12 on the field so um yeah that that was that was great the i i guess they tell them what it is uh joey Votto, an obvious left-handed possible future hall of famer it seems like that would almost be a tell but uh they got to figure that out pretty fast yeah i mean yeah this linebacker all of a sudden has to know that joey vado is (laughs) left-handed like in an instant and then react to it i mean it's it's pretty quick but either way they do change those all the time and that's Mm -hmm. kind of a part of that uh I, I was told basically they probably spend too much time uh, <laughs> going over the broadcasts to hear what was heard. Except a big thing for a lot of teams, yeah. inclu- including last year. Baltimore does a lot of that. If you remember the game in Baltimore last year, CJ Uzama's touchdown where he ran, they, they kind of faked, they did a signal to fake a bubble screen mm-hmm. and CJ went straight and was all alone because everyone ran right by him. That was because they used a signal that they knew that Baltimore knew the old, I know that, you know, and, uh, and so Baltimore went after the signal, uh, for the bubble screen and CJ ran right by them for a wide open touchdown, kind of catching Baltimore, uh, no feeling like they knew the signals, even though it was the opposite. So they, you do that one time and then all of a sudden, uh, teams aren't jumping on your signals as much anymore. That was an example of that last year. Um, next question. Let's go to Matthew Wales here. Curious if Joey B was staring into space at his locker after the win Thursday. I think uh, you mentioned that he does that after every game, not just losses. Uh, good question there from Matthew. He wasn't right, Jay. I mean, he. It, I there was know. some. There was. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you were uh, on Tua watch, uh, writing about the, writing about the Tua situation. Uh, yeah, no. Certainly not like he was after the loss. There was some of that. He's still in there. Um, he also had more media responsibilities after the game. I mean, he had to go out to the prime uh, set yeah. and was out there for a while. And then by the time he finally comes in, it was basically time for him to pretty soon after that go into the Bengals press conference uh, and then came in. And there was a little bit more of a, a celebratory nature. And the locker room was close, getting close to clearing out at that point. Uh, but no, no, no staring into space like he was in the opener, but still some of that. But no, not to the anywhere near to the same extent as it was in the opener. Um, I wanted to mention this. It's not really even a question, but it's something we wrote about uh, the other day. This is from Nate Shields it just says T Higgins is a dog, <laughs> uh, which I appreciate that comment because it's true. And I went through. Um, and actually went through T. Higgins' last 17 games. And I don't you know, know how much people pay attention to what – we've written about it. We've talked about it quite a bit. Um, but I, I don't know how much people actually are you know, realizing it. Over his last 17 games, 87 receptions, 1,459 yards, and eight touchdowns. He's averaging 16.8 yards per catch and a 70% catch rate. 
that is wide receiver one stuff everywhere, okay? And how did Miami defend him? They doubled Boyd and Chase and said, we're going to go Xavier Howard one-on-one on T. Higgins and think that should be enough. It's some old-school New England stuff. Um, New England, Belichick loved doing that, right? Doubling up on your number ones, feeling like that will cover them, then using your actual number one corner on the number two one-on-one. Well, unless your number two receiver is a number one, and then you end up with what mm. you had and T. Higgins having a huge day, continuing to be a one receiver and winning them games, and, and it never showed up more than it did in Miami's interesting defensive strategy uh, on Thursday. Um, let's see if there's anything else in here. Um, let's see this. I brought up AD Matt Brewer. I brought up ADG last week. He played well. Um, I'm covering Waddle and Breakout Pass. Could we see more ADG this week, or will this be a Wilson Pratt game due to the run game? It's an interesting question because you're spying Lamar, aren't you? I mean, mm-hmm. you're worried about trying to chase down Lamar, and I think. Akeem Davis Gaither would make more sense in those situations just due to his speed and, you know, being able to chase. But, you know, they went with a lot of Pratt and are pretty confident in who he is. I don't see them changing things too dramatically. I don't know, Jay. What do you think? I I could see him doing three linebackers and going more base. I don't think those receivers scare you. And, and I, I, I think it was last year – they sent Darius Phillips a lot after um, Lamar Jackson, and he did a great job of not overcommitting on those blitzes and kind of breaking down and just not letting Lamar out of the pocket. I, I could see – I mean, obviously it's different from a slot corner to a linebacker, but I, I do think that that ADG has played a lot better lately, and he is kind of that, that ideal spy for a guy like Lamar and uh, maybe not so much – blitzing and then containing, but just hanging out back there um, and just not making sure that Lamar can't break the pocket and, and gash him. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see if, if he takes snaps from Jermaine Pratt or if they, if they have a lot of base defense with three linebackers on the field. Uh, yeah, great question. I think it's going to be a Trey Flowers game, right? I mean, oh, yes, Mark with, Andrews. You know, with yes. Mark Andrews, we saw that last year. Um, you're going to see two linebackers and Trey Flowers a lot as they try to use Flowers as their answer to great tight ends. And he's played well in that spot over the years, and you don't feel like you're giving up too much speed. Um, and so we'll we'll see how that plays out. But I would expect to see a lot of Trey Flowers, one of his games. Uh, this week. All right. Thanks to everybody that dropped your questions in and for listening on watching us on YouTube. Very much appreciated as always. Um, let's drop in some Arby's time before we get into the growler bet answers. Jay, do you have any related Bengals insight extras or stories this week? Uh, it's an extra because I haven't written the story yet, but it'll probably be in my story. I, I talked to Hayden Hirsch yesterday about about going back to Baltimore. And I said, so Thursday night, there was that play early where you caught a short pass and trucked a couple guys on you. And he interrupted me and said, four. He knew exactly <laughs> how many guys he ran over on his way to his first down. Um, I, I just thought that was funny that, and he's, he's been uh, a joy to talk to. He, he has fun when he does interviews and likes to throw in jokes, but I, I thought that was great. You rarely get interrupted by a player when you're asking a question. And, uh, that, that one just, uh, it made me laugh and it made, uh, Dan Horde laugh here. He was, uh, he was there recording for his segment too. So, um, appreciate, appreciate the levity from Hayden Hurst there. And the opposite of that from Hayden Hurst, I don't know if you saw it was at, it was from after the game. I wasn't in this particular interview or scrum or whatever. I didn't. I wasn't talking to Hayden when this happened. Uh, someone asked him something about it was in one of the TVs about, um, you know, just being a part of a win like this and being here. And he got really emotional um, talking about just how this has just felt like a dream come true, being here mm-hmm. and feeling like he's part of something and that. They're, they're trying to revolve things around him and being a centerpiece instead of an afterthought. And he's been very open about his issues with mental health and depression and fighting that. He has his foundation. That's that's part of their, you know, their mission. And he, he was very open about that. And I just appreciate that so much from players when they show that. 
And I think Hayden has been very open about that and commend him for just kind of not being afraid to put that out there. Um, and you can tell. I mean, he plays he plays like he really loves it here. And I think that's what – when we talk about what Zach Taylor talks a lot about with culture, he wants guys that love coming to work every day. He lo- wants guys that want to be here. He loves guys that – just hang out here even when they don't have to, whether it's in the weight room or with the staff members or in the locker room or whatever. He talked about that with Josh Tupo last week and some others, you know, the ping pong tables and the, we make jokes about the ping pong table and the card table and the cornhole or whatever, but it's because he wants people that like being in the locker room, that like being around each other, that develop this connection to this place. And I think that's part of where Hayden Hurst was coming from. Obviously, a lot of it's on the field, but also trying to create that sense of community here is a big part of what they try to do. Bengals are not the only place that does this. This is not saying that they're special for that, but I do think it's a part of why he's felt very happy here. Hayden um, also allowed that he he was a group he was part of a group of players that went over to Joe Mixon's house and they were watching the Ravens Bills game, watching that collapse. And uh, someone asked him what it's like watching football with Joe Mixon, and he said they had three TVs on and people were just, "Did you see that? Did you see that?" And uh, Hayden said he actually got a massage from Joe's massage guy while he was watching football with the team. How about that? So that's that's pretty relaxing. Things that don't happen at my house. The <laughs> massage therapist doesn't come over while I watch Browns play uh, on Sunday against the Falcons. No, no massage therapist. Just kids jumping on my head. <laughs> the opposite. Whatever the opposite of the massage therapist is, that's what happened to me while I tried uh, to watch football. I played the game this weekend, Jay, of teach the girls about football, a.k.a. I want to watch <laughs> football and not Bluey or Frozen or Encanto again, okay? And so we tried to play teach the girls about football. Um, I don't think they learned much other than daddy doesn't like it when you interrupt big moments in the game because you have to go potty, okay? So uh, it was a good attempt. We did our best. But uh, I was able to watch that sort of 45-minute window fairly intently when the AFC North yeah. games uh, all dropped. Uh, and and so shout out to my girls for letting me do that at least. But uh, it was fun. <laughs> we're going to get there, Jay. We're going to get there. Um, but one of the Arby's I have, this was from Friday. And so the, the players had to come in for some meeting about uh, 401k or something like that, which they scheduled for a, for a, for Friday after a Thursday game. And so we're over kind of me, Jay, you were there. Yeah. Uh, we were kind of talking with Sam Hubbard a little bit and uh, about whatever, about the Mueller game. What are you doing this weekend? And uh, things like that. And uh, it was time for everyone to go to the 401k meeting. And Sam, Sam turned to Trey Hendrickson and just said, uh, Trey, are we good? We, we're not going to this 401k meeting, are we? Right? <laughs> Who at their work has not had that conversation with a coworker, right? We're not really going to this meeting, are we? Like, we're, we're dipping out of this. I believe they did go, by the way, despite yeah. what they didn't want to do. Um, but the, what I wanted to mention about that conversation was I was really struck because these players, man, they've, they've been around big games. They've been around big atmospheres. They played at Ohio State or they played at Alabama or Clemson or wherever, seeing huge atmospheres, LSU. They were a legitimate, like, impressed to the point of kind of shook by the atmosphere on Thursday from the players. Mm -hmm. And over the years, you just don't, you don't get that all the time, even from other places, from, from certainly not here. Um, like players were really legitimately not faking it, not talking the fans up, impressed and given confidence by the atmosphere on Thursday. We talked about it in the walkout and I wrote about it in that notes piece, but um, that's a very real thing. I, fans should be pretty happy with themselves uh, because the the players very much noticed and Sam Hubbard talked about that. When we were joking about what it was like when he was a rookie you know, where there was 25,000 butts in the seats compared to what it's like. And he's like, it's just, it's unbelievable. You know, it's unbelievable to see what it is now. And so cool for a guy like that who's from here and who lived the depths and now is seeing it look like that kind of under his watch, if you will, as a captain. Um, Sam, It was pretty cool to see Sam's reaction to that. 
Yeah, can they replicate it at one o'clock in orange helmets against a Falcons team? Uh, that that will be the question. Yeah, no question. Um, all right, let's uh, let's see. So let's. Oh, also, by the way, uh, while we're talking about Sam Hubbard and myself, shout out strong Molar Crusaders, <laughs> capturing the GCL and dominating Elder up forty-two to seven with six minutes left in the second quarter. I was happy to be in attendance to watch that. All I kept yelling is it wrong? I just kept yelling, "Run it up." Like I just yes. should I not do that at a high school game? I just kept yelling, probably run not. it up. Yeah, I probably should have done that. Uh, all right, let's let's wrap this up. Growler bet. Uh, how did the growler bet? Uh, it turned out at one ninety nine. Yes, uh, was the number, and I had two answers that were one ninety seven. So close, so close. Not Jay. as close as me. I had 199. Did you really? No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I 199 was the number. I had 202. So oh, I was. Oh, they were closer than you. They were closer than me, weren't they? My math isn't good today. Uh, you had 173. So I, I take a two to nothing lead in the growler bets. Um, and I I only, it was who is Coach Bax. I had him at 196. So were your two 197s in emails? Yes, I had 197 yes, okay. email, and then who was Coach Bax at 196? That's right. They were also yeah. so, but he wasn't so close as those other two, so I didn't yeah. include him. I should have. Uh, but so another a, a non victory because we had the victory a week ago, and I'm just going to keep making them harder because I'm not feeling like giving away that much beer all this early in the season. So get ready for another hard one for the Baltimore game on Sunday. Before that, we will of course have our Thursday episode uh, as we preview. The week, Jeff Zriebeck will be joining us from Baltimore. Very excited to catch up with him, as always. Uh, again, uh, thanks, everybody, for watching on YouTube. Subscribe there on the YouTube channel. Uh, rate all those things. Um, and, of course, everybody listening on their normal pl- podcast platforms. We always appreciate hearing from you. We will talk to you later this week. Have a good one, everyone. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.